we'd like to welcome you to part three of our current event and weekly Bible study for February 2nd, 2014. And um, switching gears here, this is a listener comment from a listener named Cody. And I, I entitled the listener comment, Kenneth Copeland yokes up with the Pope and the Catholic death cult. Now I talked about Kenneth Copeland and the charismatic movement in part one, I believe. And this, what I said in there segues into this part of the teaching. And I got this email from him, and he said, Please pray for me, my heart is broken and I'm very sad. I went to a nearby nearby cowboy church this morning. Cowboy churches are churches that, um, from my experience, are typically... They're not, they're not hardcore. They're, 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 they're not usually types of churches where you're going to get um, a lot of really right-down-the-line biblical stuff. I get the concept of a cowboy church, meaning a lot of guys that would consider themselves cowboys or these types of things may feel uncomfortable in a standard church setting, maybe not wanting to dress up in a three-piece suit to go to church, these types of things. I I get that. Um, But that's kind of like, I I don't know a ton about them, but from what I've seen, they're to cater to people of a typically southern cowboy lifestyle type of deal. Um, So he went to a nearby cowboy church this morning. I think this was in, in Texas. Not that that is such a great place, but just to praise God and worship and honor the king as I normally do every Sunday. Um, like the dried up lakes in Texas, the streams of the word of God of the Lord are running dry, and you make the best of what you can, and go to honor God where it seems best. So I go to a place that preaches faith, and I try to honor God, but I also listen to sermons, read the Bible, and pray all week too. Anyway, today the pastor said history has been made at this cowboy church. Something historical. And we were going to just watch a video about it. So for the next 40 minutes, I sat through a message from the Pope in Rome. Now this is a supposed Christian church. The cowboy churches don't have Catholic affiliations. They do, I guess they do now. But, or some do. He says, I'm not kidding. The Pope in Rome speaking to all the ministers in their congregations under the faith banner of Kenneth Copeland, the Satanist. Remember what I just talked about in the first part? He's one of the main Luciferians. All you have to do is look at that guy. I'm telling you, look at Kenneth Copeland. There's something very, very, very evil about him. Watch that 21-part teaching on him, on the Toronto Blessing Unmasked. He's one of the main guys they feature. Flashing the Cornudo sign like crazy, slowing his tongues down, reversing them, backward masking them. He's calling out to Satan. This guy... I could just see the guy with a black robe and an athami, which is a ritual witch's dagger, plunging it into, like, the heart of an infant. I mean, I could totally visualize that in my head. The guy's so evil-looking. Okay? And I felt that way for a long time. And this is the guy. This was under the banner of Kenneth Copeland. He's hearing this 40-minute video from the Pope in Rome. Bergoglio, the new Pope. That is, he says, that is about 10,000 ministers at the annual ministers convention at the Copeland Ministries. Evidently, he's got 10,000 pastors as a part of his Copeland ministry team. And again, you're getting into the charismania here. 
Pentecostal hypercharismatic stuff when you're dealing with Kenneth Copeland. Uh, anyway, um, the video began with a Catholic priest addressing the minister's meeting and talking about how close of friends he and his wife are with the Copelands and how they do many victory campaigns together. I'm going to give you a little more details on this in a second. His name was Tony Palmer. He was from South Africa. He has heavy ties to Kenneth Copeland. He was invited by Rome to participate in an ecumenical dialogue in Rome at his own expense some years ago. He sold his house and car and moved to Rome and began preaching there. Probably thought he was obeying the biblical commission or whatever about when Jesus said, you know, sell all that you have or whatever. And then he goes to Rome, of all places. Um, So... He is an evangelical, charismatic, Pentecostal Catholic. Oh my word. Talk about a mouthful of abomination there. An evangelical, which basically they're pushed for the one world, everybody come together. Charismatic, Pentecostal, already talked about them, Catholic. It turns out the Pope became his spiritual father and close friend. Literally. We're going to read about this in a second. So he visits the Pope, and the Pope sends a little video from his phone to the minister's meeting in Texas. It's a long Italian speech about how we are all brothers, this is from the Pope, like Joseph and his brothers coming together again in unity. And all the unity we need and and to talk again and to worship Jesus together, etc., etc. It was sort of like he made them an offer they couldn't refuse. Anyway, then Copeland replies with his own video message to the Pope with all the ministers praying in tongues and lifting up the Pope and blessing the Pope, etc., etc. Praying in their own little demonic tongue language. Okay, been there, done it. I covered that in the first part, okay? Um, Lots of agreement that we are one again and that the Reformation is over and that we are all brothers and the need for the unity in Christ. Now, what I what have I said I, I, over and over that the Catholic death cult is is and they've already proclaimed themselves the the one true Nash, the the one true real church, and then all of the wayward daughters of the Christian religion, whether they came out from the Protestant Reformation or whatever, that they're all going to come back under the um, whorish banner of the Catholic Church, and she's going to gather her her little demonic chicks together, and they're going to um, roost under the mother whore chicken of the Catholic death cult. That's what we're looking at. I mean, I know I'm sugarcoating things. I know. i got to stop beating around the bush. I have a problem there. Anyway, um, so, the film ends, and the pastor says, <laughs> the pastor says, quote, so go tell all your Catholic friends to come to our church, because we believe what you believe, end of quote. So ultimately, what is this about? It's about making money. It's about getting more people under the roof. It's about coming all together in unity. It's about not stepping on anybody's toes. It's about giving that syrupy sweet, whatever you want to hear, unity, ecumenical, one world religion under antichrist or false prophet doctrine. That's what it's all moving toward, as I've said. And guaranteed, all these are all 501c3 corporate whores yoked up with the IRS and the government. So they're already, they're already on that train anyway. They're already going down the track. They're just picking up more, more, more uh, passengers as the train goes. So this is what we're dealing with here. And um, he said, I had to leave. I was very sad. I had learned from people like Chris Pinto's Noise of Thunder Thunder radio program just how many millions of Christians were slaughtered by the Catholic armies. I've went over that many, many a time. I mean, I've got so many teachings on the Catholics. 
I mean, I do a keyword search for Catholic, and it's like, I think I'm seeing about one-fourth of what I've done. It, they, the, the search engine doesn't even register that far on my website. Uh, I wish it did, but it just doesn't, have, I guess, have that capability. But, um, you know, at least 50 million, and that's very conservative. And tons of those were real born-again Christians that were tortured in, in ways you can't even possibly comprehend. I've gotten into all that in previous teachings on the Catholic Church. But I guess that's all water under the bridge now. We'll, all, we'll just all forget. We'll forget about the, the whole cadre and legions of pedophile priests that, that are still walking the planet that the Catholic Church seeks to protect. Uh, we'll forget about we'll forget about all of the, the papal bulls and all of the, the garbage, all of the extra-biblical garbage that goes along with the Catholic Church and how they, they make their own rules up as they go and they have a rubber ruler and they stretch it any way they want. And that the, the Pope calls himself the Vicar of Christ, which means substitute um, substitute Jesus Christ essentially on this earth. Okay, so let's get back to the uh, the what we were talking about. So he said, I know how many millions of Christians were slaughtered by the Catholic armies, how subtle and crafty the Jesuits are in their sophistry, which means, that word sophistry means the use of reasoning or arguments that sound correct but are actually false. Okay, so they're just fork-tongued devils. Um, that are adept in the art of deception, the Jesuits, which Bergoglio, or this Pope Francis, because that's what he's called before, Bergoglio, he's a Jesuit. Okay, so, um, you know, I've read the, uh, just key in Jesuit in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com, and you'll you'll read about the Jesuit extreme oath of unction. I <laughs> mean, blows away any Freemasonic oath that I've ever seen by, like, times a hundred. It's really, really unbelievable, the oath these guys take. It's like a blood oath on steroids. So anyway, if we go further here, um, I am aware of the Ustashi atrocities of World War II done by the Pope who backed Hitler. The Pope did back Hitler. Um and um, how Mussolini gave the Pope the Vatican State, how the lands of the German Reformation were firebombed into oblivion, while the Eastern Catholic territories remain fairly well preserved. I didn't know that. Uh, He says, I just know too much history, in other words. And now, at this point, what I did is I inserted a lot of my teachings on the Catholic Church um, that you can... Click here, Catholic Priest Pedophiles, National Council of Churches Affirms Catholic Church is the One True Church, uh, Pope Bears Inquisition Teeth, de- Declares Catholic Church the Only True Church, uh, you could go on and on and on, okay, Catholic Doctrine of Devils, anyway, I give you a whole bunch of my teachings there, if you want to avail yourself to them, not, granted, just a fraction, um, if you have something more, like, if you want to know, like, Pope, or Jesuit. These are a little more specific terms you could use if you want to get a little more specific with the, with the Catholic stuff. So anyway, um, it goes on to say these people, this letter goes on to say these people perish for lack of knowledge and the spirit of whoredoms that Hosea speaks about causing the land to fail and the animals to die. This is that judgment that I'm that I'm predicting you know, is, is coming, is here and is coming on the land more and more and more as God withdraws his hand you know, because of all the innocent blood that's defiling the land, because of all the sodomy that's defiling the land, because of the pornography and all of the other sin that's going on. So, uh, it seems to be causing Americans who left Europe to get away from the Pope in the Inquisition 
and live as free men, they want to throw all this away in the name of ecumenicism and go back to the mother whore. Absolutely. There's a huge push for that. I've documented that over and over. This is just further evidence of this. But this does not surprise me because as I've, as you've heard me say before, I had in my Bible study when I was in the Catholic Church, not when I went to Catholic high school, when I was in the charismatic church, I had a Bible study, I don't know, 20, 30, on I think a Tuesday night, and we had a charismatic Catholic there. And I saw that. He, he went to the Catholic Church and he went to us. And the moment I brought up anything derogatory or negative in any way, shape, or form about the Catholic Church, he was gone. You know, I tried to do as nice as I could, but Catholics are extremely hard to reach. Okay? Those are extremely powerful demons that delude and deceive them. And um, I'm just stating facts here. They, they are. And they're very, very hard to reach. I mean, honestly, if you're trying to reach one, I would advise a lot of prayer and fasting prior to even attempting it. I mean, we used to go to, like, my old high school and stuff and, and just blanket the the uh, the parking lot with, with Catholic tracts while they were in Mass. <laughs> oh, they loved that. You know, we used to do the same thing at Freemasonic Halls as they were meeting. We, we, we would take the chick... Freemason tracks, and you always customize your tracks to whatever group you're trying to reach. Jehovah Witness, you can do that for all Mormons and stuff. Um, that was when I had a little more time. I still put out a lot of tracks, though. I, I still always am trying to put out tracks wherever I go. And um, you never know. You never know what God may do with one of those tracks. Who, who might get saved, who might get convicted, that type of thing. And so um, I highly advise it. So let's go further here. Um, I know a one-world religion will form, but the Tower of Babel will never reach heaven. For the stone that the builders rejected, meaning Jesus Christ, will smite those ten toes of iron and clay, and shall and great shall be the fall of it, but the kingdom of God and the Lord Jesus Christ will never fail. Yeah, amen. <laughs> I get fired up when I read that. To God be the glory forever and ever. And I love he, this. This letter was written really, uh, I told him, it was really eloquent the way he wrote it. Uh, as for the sheep that now approach the wolf's hungry jaws, all I can say is that when the video was over, get this, the audience applauded and cheered. Isn't that just sick, sickeningly vile and disgusting? Talk about glorying in your shame. It's like the Bible talks about in 1 Corinthians, when there was a man that had taken his, I guess his dad's wife, I think it was his stepmom to wife. And he says, and you don't, you, you don't even kick this one out of your congregation, essentially, I'm paraphrasing. But you glory in your shame. The Bible says to turn such an one over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the soul may be saved in the day of the Lord. That one person, why? Because a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. He was bringing that sin into the church, and that sin was permeating through the whole church. But see, now, the church is so leavened, through false, perverted Bibles, through the 501c3 corporate yoking up with the IRS and the government, the church is so leavened that where would you begin? You might as well just disband all the churches. They're so leavened. It's like it's like it's it's just it's done. It's it's hopeless. You need to just start over. That's the norm, and I hate to say it, but it is. And here we have the audience applauding and cheering. This is how this is how deluded people are. This is how such little discernment. He was the only guy in here, not 
applauding and cheering, evidently. He says, I am alone and sad today, for I weep for the sheep and the sleepers that sleep. As the time it has come, and the hour is late, and the judge stands at the door and knocking, he will soon come in, and what will he find, and will he find faith on this earth? Which, these are all biblical things he's talking about. Or, the sad slaughter of millions who knew not the voice of the, sh- of the shepherd. Away, hirelings, flee to the hills, um, awake shepherds, stand tall in the faith, for the Lord is going to shake everything that can be shaken, so that that which cannot be shaken might remain. Amen. I've been saying that for a long time. That's why you build your, rock, your, your house on the solid rock of Christ Jesus, and when the winds come and the rains and the storms, you won't be shaken. You won't be, you will remain. Okay? But if you build your house on sand, which is what these people are doing here, ecumenicism, one world religion, let's all be in unity, all be happy, you're building your house on sand. And then it says, may you remain in Christ Jesus and not fall into the coming and great falling away deception. And again, that's a huge, gigantic reason this ministry exists. So that my listeners don't fall into that. I don't want your blood on my hands. <laughs> I'll be honest, I don't. You know? Um, but I love you enough to tell you the truth. And, and I'm going to. And it's not popular. But the Bible says, I might therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth. Now I'm not really talking so much to my listeners, but if you try to reach somebody that is caught up in this strong delusion that the Bible predicts in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 that God is going to send right around the same time of the falling away of the church and the arrival of the Antichrist, which we're right in that period, we're, we're definitely falling away of the church, I mean, as evidenced here, one just one example, and then that wicked, capital W, will be revealed according to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And then near the end, after all of this stuff is going on, for God shall send them strong delusion that they will believe a lie, that they might all be damned to receive not the love of the truth. Remember how important truth, understanding, knowledge, wisdom is? It's really important to God who received not the love of the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. When these people applaud and cheer for this abomination of a yoking up of Kenneth Copeland, hyper-charismatic, with the Catholic Pope, they are cheering, give us more strong delusion. We have no love for the truth. Give us more. And then it says that they might be damned to receive not the love of the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. They are absolutely screaming out to God that they have total pleasure in unrighteousness. That they love unrighteousness. That's what they're, they're doing in so many words. Their actions are speaking for them. I mean, if you question them, they would never admit that. But their actions are speaking louder than their words. By their fruits you shall know them. It's a scary thing to see this because you know they're in strong delusion. You know that most likely they're pretty much... Now, I'm not saying none of them are going to get their eyes open and that's why we should pray for them. But, uh, wow, the, the, the day is far spent. The night is coming when no man can work. I mean, they, you know, if they, haven't, if they haven't got this right now and they're cheering this on and they're, and they're, and they're basically glorying in their shame and they're cheering and applauding for unrighteousness and, and for their appreciation of having no love for the truth... And their pleasure and unrighteousness, that's a scary 
situation to be in. Because it's like their conscience has been seared with a hot iron. It's like they've been blinded. The Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times, which is where we're in, some, the Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit, speaketh, speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, which is what they just had 40 minutes of in this video, seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, and having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Now, once you get your conscience seared, how do you get it unseared? There's not a lot of remedy for that in the Bible. I'm not saying God couldn't do it, but I'm not saying I see a whole lot of Bible for people that are getting their consciences unseared, or people that are, that are getting their, uh, who have been turned over to a reprobate mind, having that process reversed. I'm not seeing a lot of Bible for it. I'm just saying, doesn't mean I think I'm better. I pray to God these people get saved. I don't want to see them go to hell. But I'm not going to help their, their, th that any by, by giving them um, more lies. I'm not going to help that any by telling them what they want to hear. Anyway, so then he sends me this, which is from the official blog of Kenneth Copeland Ministries. And it's entitled, Historic Change. And you have this picture of Bergoglio, Pope Francis, the new Pope, bringing historic change. This is on Kenneth Copeland's blog's website. Now, I give you the link to that video I told you about, the Toronto Blessing and Mass, part 1 of 21. You can see all his satanic antics there. And then a whole bunch of the teachings where I talked about Copeland. Um, none of these are dedicated teachings on Copeland, but I, I mentioned, you can see it in the table of contents a lot of times. Um, anyway, I give you, and then the one, um, I did this not too long ago, it was 721 of 13, and what did I get into there? Well, Pastor Kenneth Copeland nets $100 million per year. Not a million. Not 10 million. $100 million dollars a year. He nets that. He doesn't gross it. Net. Okay? If you don't know what that means, net is like what he's keeping, essentially. Not to say, I mean, not to say maybe with the taxes and all this other stuff, but this is after expenses, evidently. 100 million? And Jesus Christ said the Son of Man have nowhere to even lay his head? I believe Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I'll give you. <laughs> These guys weren't walking around rich people. The apostles and Jesus. Okay? I'm not saying if you're rich, that's, that's terrible or bad. Because you can do wonderful things with that money if it's in the right hands. But, obviously, that is not the case with this Luciferian Fork tongue devil. Tenant Kenneth Copeland, okay? For reasons I've already got into. And he has 100, um, yeah, $100 million per year, and he loves his fleet, uh, over, uh, well over 50, of his heli, I mean Harley Davidson motorcycles. If you think those are, those are good, 
key and Harley in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com because I did a teaching exposing them, Harley Davidson. He also has his own airport. He has his own airport. You know what it's called? The Kenneth Copeland Airport. I'm not lying. I got this right off <laughs> what is openly admitted to. Oh, this is on Wikipedia. Kenneth Copeland Airport is a private airport located 18 miles northwest of the central business district of Fort Worth in Tarrant County, Texas, USA. The airport is used solely for general aviation purposes, but mainly those of the airport's eponym, meaning that's who they named it after, Evangelist Kenneth Copeland, whose ministry is located near the airport. The airport was formerly known as the Marine Corps Air Station Eagle Mountain Lake. I'm sure he's yoked up with the FEMA, FEMA clergy response and the government. I mean, he bought it from the Marine Corps Air Air Station, and it was purchased by him in the in the nineteen eighties. This guy's had millions and millions and millions of dollars for decades. This isn't just like he got rich last week. <laughs> I can't possibly comprehend that level of monet. I just can't even comprehend it. Anyway. Um, but he's a, he's a fork-tongued devil charlatan that fleeces the flock, and he's really good at what he does. You know? All of this money that people give, and, and if they're saved and they appear before, you know, the Lord at the judgment seat of Christ, they're going to have to give an account. I don't think that you're going to be able to use the excuse, well, I didn't know. Why didn't you search it out? Why didn't you search things harder to see who you're actually giving this money to? You know? You know, I'm not saying it makes them unsaved. I'm just saying it's like, okay, you're responsible. It's all God's. It's all his money. The, the, the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof and all they that dwell therein. That's what the Bible says. The earth is the Lord's. And so is the universe. He owns it all. And we're responsible. We're stewards for what God's given us. So we want to make sure we utilize wherever we're putting our, our money, whatever ministries or, or, or orphans or widows or, or whatever, we want to try to make sure that we're we're praying about where God wants us to give and, and um, you know, God gives a lot of guidelines. Now, I've done a whole teaching on New Testament giving versus the Old Testament Levitical tithe, which is one of the main ways they fleece the flock. Okay? There's a big difference. And again, it's all taught in cemetery because that's what how the cemeteries get their cadres of five hundred one c three corporate licensed preachers to go out there and make make money, make a living. I'm not condemning them all. I'm just saying that's what they do. That's how the cemeteries operate. I mean, semi seminaries. I'm sorry. Um, anyway, I've done several teachings on this subject. Uh, one where I mentioned him was the Manifest Sons of God, Joel's Army, and the Latter Rain Movement. Three part teaching there. And here's another one to see a myriad of Kenneth Copeland's blasphemous quotes. <laughs> I gotta read you this one. I I only read a couple, but this one I, I want to read it to you. Here's a quote from Kenneth Copeland. Okay, this was from um, a Spirit, Soul, and Body, um, 1985 audio tape. It's tape number 01-0601, side one. Okay, Here's a quote from that tape. <laughs> Kenneth Copeland. He says, The Bible says he measured the heavens with a nine-inch span. God measured the heavens. Where does it say 
nine-inch span that God measured. It doesn't, okay? He's making this stuff up. Maybe in one of his perverted New Age Bibles it does. I don't know. Now, the span is the difference. Distance between the end of the thumb and the end of the little finger. And that the Bible said, in fact, the Amplified translation, again, it's Amplified, which is, talk about adding to the Word of God. The Bible says if you add to the words of the book of this prophecy, at the very end of the Bible, it says, I will add unto you the plagues written in this book. If you take away, I will take away your part out of the book of life. Not something I really want to mess with. That's why I just stick with the King James Bible. Okay, but anyway, so he gets this evidently from the Amplified, which is, it adds more to the Word of God than any other version out there. Okay. Um, it says the Amplified Translation, translate the Hebrews text that way. Oh, I'm so glad that we got a nice perverted answer there. That he measured out of the heavens with a nine inch span. Well, I got a ruler and measured my span. And my span's eight and three quarters inches long. So now God's span is a quarter of an inch, a quarter of an inch longer than mine. Can you imagine this guy saying this? He's saying this on an audio. So you see, that faith didn't come billowing out of some giant monster somewhere. It came out of the heart of a being that is very uncanny. The way, very uncanny the way. He's very much like you and me. Oh, God's very much like, I mean, I understand we're created in his image. Oh, sorry. But I mean, we're going to start comparing the God of the universe to puny old us, the God that created the universe. We're going to start comparing ourselves. But see, this is what guys like him always want to do. They always want to lower God down to our level. Kind of, you know, uh, lower him down to size, you know, makes him feel better. He's, he's, he's got, a, like, real Texas. I'm, I'm not coming against anybody with the country western accent. But he that's kind of how he talks. And he, so he says, he said. He's very much like you and me. A being, he's very much like you and me. A being that stands somewhere between 6'2 and 6'3. Now, he knows that, that this is God now. He's got some kind of divine... Re- See, this is how charismatics get. They start thinking they have this... Dirt. Now, he's a Luciferian. He's just making this stuff up as he goes. I don't, I don't, I do, don't believe that he's deluded. I, I believe he knows exactly what he's doing. But this is the kind of heresy this devil's spewing forth. He stands somewhere between 6'2 and 6'3 that weighs somewhere in the neighborhood of a couple hundred pounds. A little better. I'm not making this stuff up. He really said this. A couple hundred pounds. God. We're going to say God. We're going to put a weight on God. And a height. What about a shoe size? I mean, come on. Then he says, he um, has a span of eight, and I mean, I'm sorry, nine inches across. Stood up and said... Light, let it be. And the universe situated itself and went into motion. Glory to God. That was one quote. Another quote he said. All of this is referenced. All of this. Off this link. God and Adam looked exactly alike. Oh, really? I didn't know that. I'm so glad we got the skinny on that one. Um... <laughs> God could not, here's another one, God could not intervene since he had made Adam the God of the earth. God was left on the outside looking in. He acts like God God is, is, is like powerless. God could have intervened if he wanted, but he gave Adam free will. That's the difference. Just like he gives us. But could he have intervened? Obviously he could. He created the universe. 
Just just this irreverence. I, I just detest it. This unbelievable irreverence that Kenneth Copeland just oozes out of this guy. You know? And it, what it really does is it, is it gives you an irreverent, lackadaisical attitude toward God. If you, if you put yourself under this devil of whom a man is overcome while they promise them liberty, which is what he's doing here, they themselves are the servants of corruption, for of whom a man is overcome, the same he has brought into bondage. You go and you sit under Kenneth Copeland's ministry, whether you're watching him on TV or whether you're attending his church or whatever, you will eventually be overcome by this devil. And you will be brought into bondage, but it's bondage that you cannot see. Spiritual change that you cannot identify and that will blind you. But he's going to promise you liberty all day long. He's going to promise you this this version of God that's kind of, you know, I kind of cut him down to size to kind of fit me. And, and I, you know what, I might be a, a, bit, a little bit better than God. If I think about it, I mean, if God earning $100 million a year, I could just hear him now. Does God have an airport named after him? I mean, can, I mean, seriously, this is how this guy is. Irreverence, just blasphemous irreverence. Oh, here's a good one. I've heard this one before. This was at a praise-a-thon program, TBN, April of 1988. I've seen this one. I've seen this one. Here's what this blasphemous fork-tongued devil has to say. Kenneth Copeland, quote, I was shocked. I was shocked when I found out who the biggest failure in the Bible actually is. Everybody ask, you ask, who's the biggest failure? They say Judas, someone else will say, no, I believe it was Adam. Well, how about the devil? He's the most consistent failure, but he's not the biggest in terms of material failure and so forth. The biggest one in the Bible is God. He's the biggest failure. This fork-tongued devil from the pit, I've seen this quote. You could, you could, in fact, you do Kenneth Copeland and do a keyword search for biggest failure in the Bible on YouTube. You'll probably find it. And then he goes on to say, what, what? Don't, don't you turn that set off. You listen to what I told you now. You sit still a minute. Don't tell me what to do, you fork-tongued devil from the pit of hell. I am not going to do what you say. Cursed be the man that trusteth in man and that maketh flesh his arm and whose heart departeth from the Lord. Jeremiah 17, 5. This is why you bring yourself under a curse when you follow devils like this. Your heart will depart from the Lord. He, the spirits emanating and operating through Kenneth Copeland, they're getting rich off his sheeple people flock. Those spirits are deceiving and deluding and he's laughing all the way to the bank. He's not going to be laughing when he plunges into hell. Barely he has his reward in this life. You know. Oh, so then he goes on to say, he ends it by saying, You sit still a minute. You know me well enough to know I wouldn't. I wouldn't tell something I can't prove from the Bible. So evidently, I guess he goes on to prove from the Bible that the biggest... Um, failure in the Bible is God. Talk about no fear of God. And that's a hallmark of the charismatic movement. I know. There's no fear of God taught, hardly ever. He's, he's our buddy. 
He's the big guy in the sky. He's the heavenly bellhop. We go to him to get what we want. I'm not saying there's not other denominations, but I've been in this one, entrenched, you know, and for a while, and I know how it rolls in there. Anyway, that's all I'm going to say on that. I mean, I don't, I don't want to devote a lot more time, but you can read those quotes. There's a link here. You can read them. There's so many of them. I was going to try to like read a whole bunch, but I'm like, it's like I'd have to devote a whole study to it. Just reading Kenneth Copeland quotes and his blasphemy. And he's just one dude out there that's been out there a long time. There's so many more that have come since him. I, I can't keep up with them all. I have emails all the time. Now, I have a pretty big database. But it's like, man, I can't keep up with all of them. I, I, I you know, so, so many of them are so new, there's nothing even out about them, you know? But we just do what you can do, you know? So anyway, this is from his blog, his Kenneth Copeland blog, where we see this big title, and it says, Official Blog of Kenneth Copeland, Historic Change, Bringing historic change, the new pope, it shows the pope, the pope Francis waving from his whatever. And then it says, and this is from Kenneth Copeland, new pope viewed as pro-unity, pro-renewal, renewal of the Holy Spirit. Now when they say the Holy Spirit, what they mean is tongues. Essentially. They equate that that's the only way, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, it's only when you speak in tongues. And that's not, I believe, what the Bible teaches. When you're a born-again, Bible-believing Christian, and the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside you. That's what the Holy that what that means as far as the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. But they say no, 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 no. Unless you speak in tongues, you're not even saved. The tongues is the least of all gifts mentioned, and not everybody speaks in them. And that was at a time when they needed tongues in order to spread the gospel, because there was a lot of people where the, what they were trying to do spread the gospel quickly, and that was one of the things God used in order to do that. They would go in, and like when Pentecost had it, and, and they were speaking and witnessing in other tongues, people understood that language, but they knew that that person didn't speak that language. So it was a witness for God, and they're like, well, hold on. He's speaking this new truth I've heard. He's speaking it in my language, yet I know that dude that he doesn't speak my language. And what he's speaking is truth, and it's glorifying Jesus Christ. Okay? So, regardless of how you feel about the tongue movement, what I've seen from my personal experience is that people that get caught up in that always get off in left field. Regardless of if you can make a point that tongues are still valid for this day and age. Okay, I'm not going to even argue that point. But what I'm telling you is that every time I see somebody get wrapped up and start focusing in on tongues, they always get off in left field chasing fly balls. They always get off in heresy. So I'm just looking at the fruit. Okay? I'm not saying God couldn't use use tongues in this day and age. I'm not saying that. I'm not trying to limit God here. But I'm telling you, the people that get caught up on this, and here we go, charismatic Catholics yoking up with the Pentecostals. This has been going on for a long, this has been a long time coming. I was there when, when this was brewing. Now it's really coming to pass. And when the charismatic Catholics and the, and the charismatic Pentecostals get on board together, Charismatic, um, charismatic movement and the Pentecostals, then other denominations are going to look and say, well, yeah, well, okay. and it's going to make it easier for them to get on board. The whole one world religion gravy train with the, with the uh, Catholic Church being at the head of the, quote, Christian religions, all under Antichrist and false prophet. All those things are brewing and, and you know, we're, we're coming toward that. So, 
Um, oh, this is from his blog, Kenneth Copeland. Over the last decade, the Reverend Tony Palmer, former director of Kenneth Copeland Ministry South African Office and co-founder of the Ark Community, an international and interdenominational community of Christians, whatever, based in the United Kingdom, has been extensively involved with the Catholic Charismatic Renewal, which is CCR. Uh, not Creedence Clearwater Revival, but this is a different one. Anyway, sorry. Little. Anyway, in 2003, Palmer was invited by the Catholic Church to move to Europe and minister to um, the Catholics within the CCR worldwide. So, again, they have to have their little demonic go-betweens. Okay? And this was as a non-Roman Catholic minister. Um... So he was invited by the Catholic Church to move to Europe and minister to the Catholics within the CCR movement. They're going to throw him a little bone. Hey, here you go. We know you're not going to try to convert anybody. We need guys like you to be able to ultimately go out and bring in the other wayward flock into our whatever. And um, um, it, it ends up where a guy like this is just perfect for that. Okay? Um. As a result of this calling, Palmer has traveled to many, as a result of this satanic calling, I should say, sorry, I need to be a little more specific there. As a result of this satanic calling, Palmer has traveled to many countries around the world and participated in numerous meetings with leaders within the charismatic renewal. It was during a mission to Argentina five years ago that Palmer met and soon became close friends with Argentine Cardinal Jorge Mario Bergoglio, now Pope Francis. So he knew this dude before he was ever Pope. Um, we called on him to ask permission to minister in the churches within his diocese for renewal. Palmer recalled recently that the first meeting, quote, immediately Cardinal Bergoglio shared his heart, his black heart, and appreciation for what we are doing. Well, of course! He's been told by his higher-ups, by Satan probably himself, we need a one-world religion, Bergoglio. How are you going to pull this off? How are you going to help my, my satanic plan? He's like, yes, Master Satan. I will do your bidding, whatever you want me to do. And, th- and this is a great way to do it. So, um, and again, I know I'm sugarcoating things, but uh, forgive me for that. Um, uh, so, immediately, Cardinal Bergoglio shared his heart in appreciation. Now, remember, this is before he was Pope. Shared his heart in appreciation for what we were doing and fully embraced us in the work of the unholy spirit in and through us. Sorry, I'm I'm throwing in some things. I just can't not just do that. Um, Not only to the Catholic people, but to all Christian denominations. Why? Because the Holy Spirit doesn't have anything to do with any of this. You know, the Holy Spirit, this is not not part of what the Holy Spirit's doing. The unholy spirit, yes. Anyway, on March 13th, Cardinal Bergoglio became the first non-European Pope in more than 1,000 years when he was elected to replace the outgoing Pope Benedict Arnold, oh, um, sorry, Benedict the Sixteenth, who abdicated on February 28th, the 76-year-old Bergoglio, who now has taken on the name Pope Francis after the humble Catholic friar, St. Francis of Assisi. Oh. He will be installed in the Vatican on March 19th. That will have already happened, obviously. It is quite surreal for me to see my friend, spiritual father, and prayer partner as the Pope. This is this guy that worked in Kenneth Copeland's ministry, and we're going to see that in a second. He calls the current Pope his spiritual father. 
And he was a charismatic, totally flat-out charismatic um, Pentecostal Kenneth Copeland convert. Now he's saying that literally this Pope is his friend, spiritual father, and prayer partner. Now, I did a teaching, and I've done many. I, I did one not too long ago exposing Bergoglio. But one of the things we got into was the new Pope tied to Argentina's dirty war. We talked about accused criminal becomes first Jesuit Pope. Yes, he's a Jesuit. Cardinal Jorge Bergoglio tainted with dirty war allegations of baby trafficking in the new Roman pontiff. So he's just he's the right guy for the job? Of course. He's wicked to the core. Why not? So Palmer said this last weekend while he was on his ministry trip to Italy, we have a good Pope who is pro-unity and pro-renewal of the Holy Spirit, meaning everybody's speaking in tongues. Okay? Pro-unity which is exactly what the Bible says is going to happen when the one world religion comes in. But evidently, none of that means anything to these devils. You know, He believes that all Christians are one. You know, These people must just never read their Bible at all. You know, Because evidently, the book of Revelation and Daniel have no meaning whatsoever, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, or many other verses in the Bible. Yeah, no. None of that's going to happen. That's all a fairy tale, evidently, to them. Like the leader whose name he chose to draw from, Pope Francis is himself considered humble. And is I love it how, how he's, he's um, so much self-describing and so many people as humble, okay? He's, he's considered humble and is described as a conservative with great compassion. <laughs> Whatever. If he had really great compassion, he would point people to the Lord Jesus Christ. All he's doing is ensuring that millions and millions and millions of Catholics and non-Catholics that will be assimilated in the Catholic death death cult will, will burn in the lake of fire for eternity. That's his great compassion. Protecting the pedophile priesthood. Not apologizing for all of the millions of Christian martyrs and other martyrs that happened during the Inquisitions. All of the extra-biblical garbage and titles they take on. He's not apologizing for it. That, that, that's his compassion, though. You know, From its inception, the ARC community, KCM has maintained a strong partnership with Palmer through prayer and supporting his mission work. K- KCM is Kenneth Copeland Ministries. Okay, So, even while this dude was over there yoking up with Bergoglio and being a Catholic emissary, the whole Catholic, the charismatic thing, Kenneth Copeland Ministries has maintained a strong partnership with Palmer. Well, they know what side their bread is buttered. They know what where this whole ecumenical, one world, new world order train, what track that's heading down. They know that they're going to be yoking up with the Catholic war here soon enough. So they want to make sure that, that they've already got their hooks into that and they've already got, you know, reserve seating on that train. So, Kenneth Copeland Ministries has maintained a strong partnership with Palmer through prayer and by supporting his mission work. It was through Palmer's assistance that Kenneth and Gloria Copeland were able to minister to the Roman Catholic Church in Italy for the first time ever in 2006. So he actually evidently made his pilgrimage. I don't know if he kissed the Pope's ring, I don't know. But um, they have since returned there to minister. In light of the historic place change taking place in the Catholic Church, we asked Palmer for his insight into the election of the new Pope. Now, this is his buddy. Remember, Palmer and him are prayer buddies. He's the, the Pope's his spiritual father. Uh, so, well, we want to know insight about the election of the new Pope and what effect he feels this might have on the body of Christ overall. Here's what some of what he had to say. The question was, how do you believe this election will affect the church and the body of believers? 
Answer. Palmer says, it will greatly influence what's already happening. Things began to change between 1962 and 1965 when Pope John Paul XXIII, no, I'm sorry, Pope John XXIII opened up the Second Vatican Council by invoking the Holy Spirit. He didn't invoke the unholy spirit anyway. Um, and asking God for a new Pentecost. He asked that God would, quote, renew your wonders in our time, whatever that means. Probably lying signs and wonders of miracles. Anyway, God answered, and uh, no, God didn't answer. Satan answered, and in 1967, a small group of faithful Catholics met in Pittsburgh, PA, and called upon their Pentecostal friends to lay hands on them so that they, as Roman Catholics, may receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is how the, ca- the charismatic Catholics infiltrate people. They lay hands on people that they have no right laying hands on, and impart to them another devil that, tell, that has them speak in a demonic tongue. And they call that good. I've seen it. I've been to charismatic churches where they're clamoring to lay hands on you. The Bible says to lay hands suddenly on no man and to not be partakers of their sin. In other words, there's a spiritual transference when you lay hands on people, particularly with a spiritual intent. In this case, they laid hands on them and parted the gift or the, in this case, the curse of demonic tongues because don't tell me anything good came out of this. And this is how the charismatic Catholics started. I didn't know this. I kind of wondered how this all started, the, this whole ball got rolling, and here's where it started. 1967, um, in Pittsburgh, PA. Pope John Paul II watched as this small group grew into a movement and expanded. See, Satan knew this was going to be integral, and look what it's festered into today. Uh, he knew this, uh, Watched this small group grew into a movement and expanded across the Atlantic and into many countries. In 46 years, this group of Catholics has grown to over 180 million um, unholy spirit-filled, unborn-again, dead Catholic Christians. I'm, I'm, I'm adding in a little bit of verbiage there to their inaccurate statements. Anyway, Pope Benedict XVI followed in Pope John Paul's footsteps and publicly supported and encouraged those involved in the Catholic charismatic renewal. Of course they did. you got to have that one world religion. Now, as evidenced by the choice of the name, Pope Francis wants to honor St. Francis of Assisi, who was a charismatic Catholic, and I didn't know that. Evidently, that's why a big reason he chose the name Francis. It will obviously, it's the, it's the only reason. He's the only Pope that's ever chose the name Francis of Assisi, who just happened to be a charismatic, demonic, tongue-talking Catholic. Because don't tell me it was the Holy Spirit talking through him. Okay? Because it couldn't be. If that was the case, he would have got saved and would have abandoned that church. But he didn't. Okay? So he was a charismatic Catholic. Francis of Assisi. Who, Pope Francis, is the only Pope that's ever taken his name. It was very controversial when he took that name. He founded the Order of Devout Catholics professing to live the gospel and nothing else. Right, whatever. False gospel, another gospel. <laughs> Pope Francis is now openly committing himself to the church to emulate the spirit, the spirituality of St. Francis and his followers, which is to follow Jesus wholeheartedly and establish the kingdom of God through the Franciscan motto, 
which St. Francis is famous for saying, quote, preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. I can hardly read this without coming unglued, essentially. All of these lies, just every sentence, another just cavalcade of lies spewing forth from this dude. Anyway, this is the central passion that drives Pope Francis. He, he wants to get as many people into hell as possible. That's his central passion. I mean, his, his, his works and his fruit tell us that. He always tells me that we need to live like Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And I, my quote is, oh really? Does Pope Francis intend to help the global elite achieve their goal of uniting all the religions of the world under a single banner? Is that, is that his version of it's all about Jesus? Will he be instrumental in establishing a single global religion for the glorious new age? Obviously he will, that the global elite believe is coming. After he was elected, the cover of Time magazine declared Pope Francis to be the new world pope. And since his election, Pope Francis has made it abundantly clear that he is going to make ecumenical outreach a top priority. He has spoken of his determination to continue on the path of ecumenical, meaning bringing all, particularly the Christian religions, but all religions in the world together. Um, and he has already held a number of very high-profile ecumenical meetings. Not only has, I mean, he's reached out to Muslims, everybody. Um, not only has he made has he worked hard to reach out to leaders of various Christian tr traditions, he has also made it a point to try to acknowledge the mutual bonds that he feels with all religions. For example, in one recent address, he made it a point to say that he believes that Muslims worship and pray to that one God that he also worships. Well, he's right. Ultimately, they worship Satan, and so does he. So he is right. He's absolutely right. That's their God, Satan. Okay, now, in the Muslim's case, it's Allah, the moon god. Okay, true. Pagan knock pagan Arabic knockoff from way, way going back thousands of years. True. Okay, you could say that, but just boil it down to Satan. And and you do you do deserve one another. The Catholics and the Muslims deserve one another. And there's a lot of history to prove that actually the Catholic religion started Islam. Now it didn't totally start the the, the paganism that it was rooted in, but it, it basically helped to bring Islam into a monotheistic faith just worship of Allah instead of the hundred of pagan Arabic deities they were worshiping. Okay, so anyway, um, this all roads leads to the same God philosophy as the hallmark of the one world religion and that the global elite have been slowly building toward for decades. The global elite know that even with a one world economy and the one world religion, humanity will never be truly united until there's a single global religion. Unfortunately, this one world religion that they are now seeking to establish is diametrically opposed to Christianity that we speak of in the Bible. Pope Francis offered some provocative thoughts, and this is from a news article, I, I reported on this. He offered some provocative thoughts last week, speaking about the hot-button issues of abortion, gay rights, and conception. He told a Jesuit interviewer, well, he is a Jesuit being interviewed by a Jesuit, he said, quote, it is not necessary to talk about these issues all the time. He went on the interview to say that his church has grown obsessed with these topics. So in other words, he doesn't really care about those issues anymore. Whatever. You want to get an abortion? Go get one. Yo, you want to be gay? Go do it. Hey, if it feels right, do it. You know, I'm the Pope, whatever. Why can't we all just get along? The, the point is, we all need to come together in unity. Go abort your baby. Sodom's, Sodomites, doesn't matter. We want you yoked up with us because you're wicked, we're wicked. Hey, we want to be one big happy satanic family. You know? 
Eh, if you want to take the R or whatever abortion pill in the morning, after, eh, don't worry about it, whatever. I mean, this guy is the most liberal pope ever on record by far. And the world loves him for it. The gays love him. The pro-abortion crowd, crowd loves him for it. He's got more followers and admirers now than he ever did. Yeah, sure, there's some hardcore, hardline Catholics that are probably leaving the church, disgusted with this guy, but he's gaining far more people than he's ever losing because he's telling the world, he's appealing to the world, he's telling them what they want to hear. He's accepting them on their terms. It doesn't matter. Throw the Bible out the window. When did that ever matter to this devil? So again, this is, this is why he's doing so well and why the world loves him so much. You know, he's not going to try to offend anybody except real Christians. Now, what does the Bible have to say about this? Proverbs 17.15 says, He that justifieth the wicked, and he that condemneth the just, even they both are an abomination to the Lord. This devil justifies the wicked every time I turn around. Pro-abortion crowd? Are you kidding me? The Catholic Church? The, the Sodomites? Oh yeah, yeah, they're saved. Muslims, I mean, the, the, that devil, death cult, responsible for more misery right now on planet Earth than just about any other religion? Overtly? In your face? Yeah, sure. He's justifying the wicked and he is condemning the just. Well, you shouldn't say that about, about, the, uh, about the, my church. You, you need to just shut up about the gays and, and the pro-abortion. I mean, that was the one of the things that the Catholic Church kind of had right, was, was, the, was their, their stance on, on no abortions. You know, they were pretty good about that, okay? I'm not saying we yoke up with them, but I'm saying that was a good stance they had. Oh, no, we don't need that anymore. No way. Ah, let them get, let him abort all the babies. Why, why do we need those kids for anyway? I mean, <laughs> what's he going to say? It's insane. I mean, this guy's so far off the rails, it's like, Wow. Titus 1, 15b and 16, Unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure. But even their mind and their conscience is defiled. This guy reminds me of this verse. His mind and conscience are totally, he's, he's totally a vessel of Satan. Pope Francis. They profess that they know God, because obviously he's the Pope. He's the vicar of Christ, meaning substitute for Christ on this earth. What he says is an errant right. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny him. Just the work of his tongue. He openly denies God every time he opens his forked tongue mouth. Being abominable and disobedient and unto every good work reprobate. That's what God thinks about good old Pope Francis. And that's putting it mildly. So, next question. What is the uniquely different and meaningful about Pope Francis and his appointment. Palmer says, an important attribute that Pope Francis brings to the papacy is his honest and sincere openness to the unity of all Christians. He is a man of God who understands the unity of the church and its diversity. When you ever see diversity, it's, you know, all other religions and the gays. And pro-abortion, too. He constantly shows his public fraternal brotherhood toward all Christians, For example, when he was introduced during a large Christian meeting in Buenos Aires, where over 5,000 evangelical Protestant leaders were in attendance. What on God's green earth? 
were these 5,000 Protestant leaders thinking. I really think these guys are just going to line up and beg for the mark of the beast. I really do. Well, I mean, what is the logical conclusion? Either they're going to go toward Christ and the word of God, or they're going to go away from it. They're going to ultimately end up and beg for the mark of the beast. When Okay, so where over 5,000 evangelical Protestant leaders were in attendance, Pope Francis, then Cardinal Borgoglio, knelt down in front of the evangelical pastors and asked them to lay hands on him and bless him. Why? He wants their demons. So how you part demons, right? Lay hands suddenly on no man, be, neither be your partakers of other men's sins. Hey, I can get, if I can get 5,000 more devils, or maybe, who knows, maybe it's a two for one day, maybe 10,000 new devils in me, well, what's not to like about that? I mean, I'm a vessel of Satan, why not? Anyway, um, (laughs) every year as Cardinal, he would join his evangelical brothers and pastors for their annual week-long retreat. See, he was already setting the stage. He was already, you know, already going in this direction, hugely. It's a big reason that he is Pope. He already had this huge bridge with Protestants, with Charismatics. He was the absolute logical choice of Satan to be the next Pope, okay? Um, So he joined his his evangelical brothers every year for their annual week-long retreat, not as a guest speaker to teach, but as one of them. uh, During our times together, we have spoken about our shared plan of the division of Christians. Oh, that's terrible. We can't have division. And together we have shared both tears, we have shared both tears and prayers for her healing. What, the Catholic whore? Her healing? The Babylonian Catholic whore that all needs to be, all the Christians, uh, so pseudo-Christians need to be assimilated into? Yeah, I think that's the healing of the whore that they're in reference to here. And then he he has the blasphemy to say, no, no, this is the one bride of Christ. The bride of Christ has nothing to do with any of this unity, ecumenical, yoking up with Satan garbage. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what communion hath Christ with Belial, which is the devil, which is what the Catholic death cult is. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 6. It's right there. What does the Bible have to say about this further? 2 Corinthians 11, verse 13 through 15. For such, like Bergoglio, like Pope Francis here, are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel that Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. 2 Peter 2, 17-19 these, meaning devils like Pope Francis, are wells without water. Clouds that are carried with a tempest, to whom the midst of darkness is reserved forever. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lust of the flesh. See, Bergoglio's message, Pope Francis, his message is to allure through the lust of the flesh. Oh, we have unity. We, we, we can all be on the same page. We can all you know, worship the same God, Satan together. I mean, God together. You know? 
Oh, you you can have your abortions. It's not that bad. It's 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 just a fetal um, fetal mass. Oh, you gays, come one, come all. Transsexuals, bisexuals. Oh, we we're not going to judge you. That's alluring to the lust of the flesh. It's very appealing to gays, especially who who are just so desperate for acceptance. You know, for of whom a man is overcome. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I got hit. My, who are allured through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were clean escape them that live in air. It's what the Bible says to do. We're supposed to escape from devils like this. Not yoke up with them, not be in agreement with them, not be in unity with them. Why? Because while they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, the same he is brought into bondage. Next question. Why should we as believers be excited? Palmer. I believe there exists enough evidence to cause every open-minded and open-eyed Christian to rejoice in the fact that a good man has been chosen to be Pope, the spokesperson for Western Christianity. Oh, really? Open-minded and open-eyed. Oh, so... If we don't embrace this abomination from the pit of hell, that means that we're closed-minded and closed-eyed because we can't see that this good devil, this new pope, is a good man and is a spokesperson for Satan, I mean Western Christianity. This is so black and white. This is so in-your-face. I don't understand how people can't get, get this. If just a little bit of study, a little bit of looking into this, I don't know. I, I shouldn't say that because it sounds judgmental. I, I just, I've had, I've been saved, you know, since 94, the early part of 94. And I was deceived for a time, but I figured it out. And for decades, I have seen this, and it's like, I don't understand how people that have been saved maybe... 20, 30, 40 more years than me have never been able to figure it out. If they're saved, I don't know. Can't obviously say that for anybody. It's really sad, but it is the strong delusion that God said he was going to send, that they will believe a lie, that they might all be damned or see not the love of the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. It's just prophetic uh, fulfillment of scripture. You're seeing it before your very eyes. And that evil men and seducers are waxing, meaning growing worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. 2 Timothy 3.13 well, they're, that's what they're doing. They're deceived, and they're deceiving others. Um, okay, so we have a few more Bible verses here. Uh, a couple more. Second Timothy 4, 3-4, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at, the, at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be in season, be instant, in season, out of season, Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. That's not done very much nowadays. And again, as evidence of that, you see these massive ecumenical movements like this that we're looking at today. For the time will come, <laughs> we're in it, when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers, and in this case the Catholic Church, the Pope, having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from truth and shall be turned unto fables. Which is what the you know, Catholic Church is pretty much based on. 
you know, their doctrines based on fables, essentially. Fables of men. Colossians 2.8, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, which is what the Catholic Church is all about, after the rudiments of this world and not after Christ. Uh, so then this guy goes on to say, He is a man after Jesus' heart, the Pope, and a man full of the spirit of Antichrist, I mean God, open and humble, and I just love how they just keep calling him humble, open and humble enough to forgive and embrace brothers and sisters from all Christian denominations. <laughs> I don't want his whatever, forgiveness and what, I, I, I don't, I could care less. This guy is a devil from the pit of hell. He is a heretic. He is an absolute vessel of Satan. And I, all I want to do is expose him. I want to mark him like the Bible says to do. And I'll get into that in a second. Um, he's oh, The thing that aggravates me the most, or the, the worst thing about a guy like Francis, is that his sole mission at the behest of Satan, is to just get as many people into the lake of fire, ultimately, as he possibly can. I, I, I view that highly offensively. You're literally trying to get people into hell, and then the lake of fire. I mean, that what, what worse thing could you devote your life to? What more of a vile... And then doing it on the coattails of Jesus Christ. That makes it even way worse. It's not like it's some pagan, you know outward religion with no ties to the Bible. These people are act, acting like they're the mother church of all Christianity on planet Earth. They have the audacity, you know, to say these things. So, then he goes on to say, um, the time of spiritual apartheid is coming to an end, and I believe Pope Francis will be one of the proponents of its demise. Oh yeah, because he's going to bring in the one world religion under Antichrist? Yeah, that's why. We have a worldwide charismatic movement of the renewal of the Holy Spirit, meaning tongue-talking, and within the Catholic Church, officially and publicly supported by the last three popes, as well as the current pope. We now live in a post-Protestant era. Oh, really? With a pope who openly embraces his brothers and sisters of all Christian denominations to the point of publicly kneeling for the laying on of hands in prayer by evangelical leaders. Oh, what humility... And again, the Bible says, 1 Timothy 5.22, lay hands suddenly on no man. And who knows what they're getting back from the Pope when you lay hands on them. It's not just what they may be imparting to the Pope. It's probably what he's imparting to you. <laughs> you know? Neither be partakers of other men's sins. Keep thyself pure. In other words, if you go around laying hands on suddenly on no... You're, you're, you're going to be partakers of their sin. You're going to be adopting their devils. And you're not going to keep yourself pure. This is a big reason I think the charismatic movement is so defiled, because this is such, not only the, the crazy tongue-talking, uh, unbiblically the way that they do it, but all of the laying on of hands and the transferal of spirits. Devils. It's a total cesspit for heresy. Um, God is, con- And then it, it ends by saying, God is continuing what he began when Pope John... The 23rd prayed for a new Pentecost back in 1962. He has heard the prayers and tasted the tears of the faithful, who over the years have joined our master and captain in his high priestly prayer in John 17.21, Father, make them one, um, so the world will, will believe you sent me. Diversity is divine, he says. Oh, really? But division is diabolic. Oh, really? 
Really? Where are you getting that from the Bible, you devil? It's time to celebrate diversity and the bond of unity. We are one bride, one body, and one body. I have nothing to do with you, devil. Don't speak on my behalf, please. Because I have nothing to do with you, you devil heretic. What does the Bible say? Romans 16, verse 17, 17 and 18. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them, mark them, which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which, which ye have learned. Which is what the charismatic movement and the, and the Catholic Church is all about. Those things that they do are contrary to the doctrine of the Bible, of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're supposed to avoid them. We're not supposed to yoke up with them. It says, and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, their own carnal desires, essentially. And by good words, when we heard a lot of nice, flowery, good words today, didn't we? We got a real earful from this Kenneth Copeland, charismatic, reverend, Catholic, whatever he is, priest dude today. And by good words and fair speeches, deceive the hearts of the simple. That's what it is. Titus 3.10 A man that is an heretic after the first and second admonition reject. It doesn't say a man that is a heretic after the first and, and second admonition yoke up with. Come into unity with. Say that we're one together. No, we're supposed to reject them. And, and that would even more apply to a religion that is heretical. Like the Catholic death cult. Like charismania. Galatians 1, 6-10 I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Which is what the Catholics' works-based gospel is all about. Okay? Which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Absolute, total, great example of the uh, Catholic death cult. But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Let you be accursed, Bergoglio. As we said before, so so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you that ye have received, let him be accursed. It says it twice. Okay? For now I do persuade men or God, do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of... Okay, I'm sorry, I kind of got interrupted there. Um, for do I now persuade men or God? And this is a this is a really big part of this. The whole that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. So for for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? Which is what this is all about. Okay? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. This long, flowery, diabolical Serpy sweet garbage that this Kenneth Copeland protege, Pope Francis loving dude, just gave us is just an abomination. Sounds real good on paper if you're not a Christian and you don't know any better, but I mean, it's an absolute abomination. He's trying to please men, but he's not the servant of Christ like he claims to be, he's the servant of Satan. His lips have betrayed him. A fountain cannot yield, you know, fresh and salt water. It's a tree is known by its fruit, and and he has proven this. And then I think the best 
verse that sums all of this up is Jeremiah 48.10, which says, Cursed be he that doeth the work of the Lord deceitfully. Which is what this is all about. This whole last part I just did on the Pope and um, this Kenneth Copeland and this minister that is working with him. They're doing the work of the Lord deceitfully. And they're laughing all the way to the bank. They won't be laughing in the lake of fire, though. Or in hell. So, anyway, that's all we have for today. Uh, I'll go ahead and close this out in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day, this time you've given us. For all your goodness and your mercy, Lord, that you bestowed upon us. I do pray, God, that you forgive us for any and all sins we have committed, as we forgive those who have sinned against us. That the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart will be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. That you cleanse us from presumptuous sins and secret faults that they would not have dominion over us. That, Lord, you would open the eyes of the people in these movements, in the Catholic Church, Lord, in the charismatic movement. I also realize at the same time, Lord, you're the one sending the strong delusion. But those that can be saved, Lord, I pray to God they would be saved. That your name be glorified. That all men would see and fear and declare the work of God. That they would wisely consider of your doing. That the righteous would be glad in the Lord and trust in you. And all the upright in heart would glory. Um, I just pray you intervene in their lives. I pray for these people that are caught up in all of this Hollywood garbage, Lord. That in the Super Bowl. And I pray that you would give them eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to receive the truth. And, and, Lord, that many would be saved as a result of those efforts. And we ask all of these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.